Thank you for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at imtheexchange.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at imtheexchange.com. Doing this will help us to bless others and bring messages to you each week. Today's message is from our lead pastor, Pastor Jared Brooks. Also from our executive pastor, Pastor Kevin Kelts. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Woo, man, it's a great day to be here. Listen, um, we started a, a new series last week just talking about worship. What is worship? What, what, what does, when you look at the Bible, what can you read in Scripture about worship. Why do we worship? Where, where does it come from? What, what does worship do? Uh, we, we started to ask the question, you know, when, where, how do we praise? And in and, and, and doing a, a study, come across a, a passage of scripture in Psalm 102, verse 18. And I'm going to put it up on the, the screen for you this morning. And this is, this is what the scripture says. This will be written for a generation, everybody say generation, a generation to come. So this was in the past. This was a long time ago when this was written. And it says this will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be. And there's another what we want you to focus on right here in this passage. Created. Everybody say created. So it's a people, he says, it's a generation that yet to come, a people that is yet to even be created that they will praise the Lord. So when these people do come, when they are created, there's something that they're going to do, and they're going to praise the Lord. Everybody say praise. Woo, praise. And so that is, is, is what we started talking about last week is that there is that generation that, that's coming. And, and so we started to see, can we identify who that is? What is this speaking of? And when you go and look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul writes to the Corinthians, and, and he says this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, come on, he is a new creation. It, it's... It's this generation that hasn't even been created yet. And now he says, if these people are in Christ, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. And I can say a great amen to that. I'm, I'm so thankful that those old things are gone. Come on, somebody. All things now have become new. You see, in, in the old covenant... Way back in Moses' day, God's presence resided in the Ark of the Covenant. But I thank God that it's not that way anymore. Amen? I thank God that we don't have to travel to one place and there's only one place where the presence of, of God is. Now you and I have become the temple of the presence of God. Know ye not. Know ye not. You are the temple. Amen? That's how it is now in the new covenant. The Holy Spirit now dwells in us. He, he, the Holy Spirit makes his habitation on the inside of us. And, and you look again at Psalms 102, verse 18. It says, this will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. So we ask this question. 
who do you think that generation is? Who do you think those people that they were speaking of are? And the answer is this. It's you. It's me. We are that generation. We are those now who are in Christ. Come on, you're in Christ. You're a new creature. You're a new creation. And then Peter even goes on to tell us this in 1 Peter chapter 2. You are a chosen generation. Speaking of a generation yet to come, we are that chosen generation. Come on, we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation of his own special people that now... Going back, it just lines up with what Psalms 102.18 says. Now these people will proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Listen, we have something to praise him for. There is a reason for our worship. We are the generation that was to come, and I say has now come, and part of our purpose on this planet is to be somebody that raises a hallelujah. Come on. That lifts up worship to the King of kings and the Lord of lords that called us out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. You see, if you don't know that, God sent me here today with a word for you to say, yes, it's you. You are a part of that generation. God also says that part of being a chosen generation Part of being that is that you are a worshiper. You have been created to praise the Lord. Peter said that we have been created to proclaim the praises of him, our heavenly father. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, I'll put it up on the, the screen for you. It says this, in everything, now being a part of this generation, in everything, give thanks. That is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. This verse reminds us, guys, that we are worshipers, and that in living this lifestyle of worship, that in everything, that's what we should do. We should give thanks. Now, now, please notice that it doesn't say for everything, right? Because you can't thank God for everything, right? I mean, just something very simple. You're walking, you know, wake up in the middle of the night, and you use the bathroom, and you can't see, and you stump your toe, and it hurts, you don't go, oh, God, I thank you for my stumped toe. You don't thank God for that. Like, if there's a tragedy that happens in your family, you don't thank God for, oh, well, you know, there's, there's a reason for everything. We say that we use these Christian phrases, this Christianese, right? Oh, well, you know, there's a reason for everything. Well, God, you know, God's in control. Well, there's, not a re- there's not a reason. God didn't make that that horrible thing happened to your family. You understand that, right? You don't thank God, you know, that your, your aunt, you just found out she got cancer. You don't thank God for that. Oh, God, I know you gave her cancer so that we could learn something. No, 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 no. That's messed up theology. That's not how it is, right? There is a reason that she got cancer, and it has nothing to do with, with God, right? Y'all get what I'm saying? But in everything... In the middle of that storm, in the middle of that diagnosis of cancer, you can raise a hallelujah, right? And this is how we as Christians start to now change our focus. We start to change our our mentality from focusing on this horrible thing that's happening to understanding that Jesus has already overcome everything, and now we can have that joy inside of us. So now the question is, what should this look like, though? 
Pastor Kevin, what should this worship look like? What should this lifestyle of praise look like? That look like? What can I do to manifest this, this purpose that I am a new creation, but I want to know what this looks like? You see, God has shown us in his word what praise should look like, guys. And keep the tag team going. Is that all right? So we started talking about last week, the seven words of praise. And, and what's really important to know is remember that when we read it in our English Bible, there has all these words of praise and it says praise and praise and praise and praise. But the original writers in Hebrew, they weren't trying to say praise like we know praise. They had very specific and pointed divine purposeful words that they used and in English it was just kind of easy to say praise and so we kind of generic it's kind of like the word love right you know you say everybody says I love you all the time you know love you love you love you guys whatever but it's different when you're saying it to your kids when you're saying it to your spouse when you're saying it to a cheeseburger you know all those different (laughs) things love is different and so same way with praise and so we talked about these seven words we started talking about these seven words of praise So we're going to review for a moment. Ready? The first word last week we talked about was halal. That sounds like hallelujah, hallelujah, right? Anybody remember what halal uh, means? It is overwhelming excitement to celebrate, to rave, to be clamorously foolish. We showed during this one, we showed the walk-off home run by Carlos Correa. We showed the walk-off home run by Jose Altuve. Uh, today, we got some praises. I should have been showing the uh, Grand Slam by Alex Bregman hey, last night. Hey, 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 hey. Hallelujah. I just felt the anointing so strong in this place. Hallelujah. But that's what halal is, okay? Some examples of halal. It's used 160 times. It's translated to praise 160 times in the Old Testament. One verse is Psalms 113, uh, verse 1. It says, praise or halal. Everybody say halal. Halal the Lord, praise, O servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the name of the Lord is to be halaled. Okay, halaled. It's to be overwhelmingly excitement when we praise the name of the Lord. From the rising of the sun to the going down. The second word that uh, Pastor Kevin brought forth last week was yada or yada. Okay, yada praise. And this word means the extended hand or to throw out the hands. Okay, to lift your hands, to raise your hand. And so we reminded you that when we come into this house, this isn't something, you know, we showed the video last week of um, uh, Tim Hawkins and... uh, you know, he, he made this comment. He said, you know, I go to a hand-raising church. Yeah. And I get what he's saying, but we're not a hand-raising church to be a hand-raising. We're not a you are or you're not. So everyone in this room, we're not a you either are a hand-raiser or you're not. What we're saying is that this word tells us that biblically it is in line and in order at times to throw up your hands and say, God, we worship you. We honor you. You watched those home runs last week when they hit them. I'm telling you, out of 35, 48,000 people, however many were in Minute Made last week, not all of them were Christians. (laughs) 
they weren't all actually believers. But you would think so, because when that home run went up, they all went, (laughs) and that's what us Christians do, right? No, that's just a sign of praise. It's just a word for praise. And so uh, it's translated 114 times. I will yada the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. That's Psalms 111. Uh, Psalms 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, because of that, because I trusted in him and I'm helped, uh, it says, My heart greatly rejoices with my song and I will yada him i will lift up i will throw up my hands to him now the third word that we're going to talk about today uh and so this is our first word today third word in the seven this is barack everybody say barack okay barack praise and barack means to kneel in adoration or to bow okay have you ever have you ever had one of those moments one of those times that you just had to kneel before the lord uh, Kristen Fowler, her, her um, cousin, well, her cousin's husband, Joe Grace, used to be one of my youth staff members. And then he went from youth staff and he became a staff member at the church. And he played on our worship team and stuff with us. And I can't tell you how many times, dozens and dozens and dozens of times, I would look over there playing and I would look at Joe. And he's, oh, I don't, I don't Barack a whole lot, to be honest with you, because it hurts. But Joe would be over there with his guitar playing on his knees and just lifting his hands because in his mind, that was the only thing that could adequately display what he was feeling, you know. And so that Barak praise to kneel in adoration, it's used uh, 330 times in the Old Testament. Daniel, Abraham, Ezekiel, Moses, all recorded by bowing or laying prostrate uh, before the Lord. And see, so sometimes in church, and it's okay, and we give you permission at times. If we're, if we're in the middle of worship and you just feel this in, in, in insurmountable power and presence rising up inside of you, it is okay if the only expression you know to, to perform is to just bow down and go, God, I worship you. I worship you as king. I honor you as king. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bow down in adoration in his name. To his name. Barak his name. Oh, come, let us bow down. Let us kneel. Let us barak before the Lord our maker. Listen, there's times in worship service where that's okay. There's times in worship service where a shout is okay. To be clamorously foolish is okay. And there's times to get on and throw up your hands in worship. The Greek word for worship in the New Testament is proskunio. Okay? And this word comes from our English word to prostrate oneself. Hey, listen, I got some examples, Pastor, about this Barak praise that I want to share with the church today. In, in Exodus chapter 34, verse 8, we read that Moses made haste and he bowed his head toward the earth and, and, and worship. You know, I can remember um, growing up in a church that they would call a hand-raising church, but then I remember also... Um, we went and visited um, 
a a different church that their just worship was a lot different than us, and th- there was more of a point towards being reverent towards the Lord, and we we want to we guys want you to know that yeah you know earlier we're getting excited and we're releasing this this hallelujah this halal praise this clamorously foolish you know this loud praise but we also want want you to know that we celebrate here this there's there's a time to be reverent there's a time to be quiet there's a time to to set in the presence like like Moses did when he bowed his head you know what i'm saying in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 for this reason he says i bow my knee to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes when you start to realize how amazing and awesome the creator of all things, sometimes you want to be like, yes. At other times, you just want to just bow and like, wow, God, you're amazing. In Revel- the book of Revelation, uh, the revelation of John, he, he said this, and when I saw him, he said, I fell dead at his feet. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. Come on, for I'm the first and the last. One of the greatest demonstrations of paying homage to God is, is when we're talking about this Barak praise through kneeling is found in the book of Job. And, and we read in the story of Job after he loses everything. I mean, catastrophe after catastrophe. He loses his, his, his land and his cattle. He loses his own health. He loses his children, his wife. I mean, it's awful. And he's at the place of breaking. I mean, mentally, emotionally. He, he, and, and, and this is a place where a lot of us get. And it speaks of Job that in Job chapter 1, you can read this in verse 20. It says that then Job arose, he tore his robe because he was distraught. He, he, he was in anguish, right? He shaved his head. He fell to the ground. And Barak praised. He worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gives, and the Lord has taken away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all that Job did right here, guys, he, he, he's still in feeling just overcome and overwhelmed with, with grief and anguish. He still bent his knee, went to his face. He knelt before the Lord. He acknowledged that although uh, all these things may be happened to him, I, I still understand that God is love, that God is the creator of all things. Amen? So, so that means that there needs to be some Barak praise going on sometime in the house of the Lord. And if you see that, it's okay. If you see somebody doing that, that's okay. Celebrate that, right? Don't judge that. Celebrate that. If you have at any time feel like that's something that you need to do, it's okay to do that. The next Hebrew word for praise is, is one of my favorite, and it's zamar. Everybody say zamar. It's kind of a fun word. It starts with a Z. Zamar means to touch or strike the strings under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. 
I mean, we had some zamar going up here this morning, right? You look up here and you see Pastor Jared striking the strings. You see Tishan. You see Chris. You know, you see uh, uh, um, Jonathan. He was up here striking the strings. You know, there was some zamar praise going on. It's instrumental praise. And how many think that instrumental praise is powerful? Right? There's just something about song. There's something about that, that, that sound that is released, this joyful expression of music to God through instrument. This word is used 41 times in the Bible. Music is a powerful tool to draw God's people into praise and worship. It really changes the atmosphere. It does. It changes the atmosphere. Go look throughout the entire book of Psalms, and you will see that music is presented in connection with praise and worship. And I can tell you from experience that there is great power in anointed music. Did you know that the playing of instruments, the Zamar praise, will actually set people free? I remember years ago, um, I was a pastor at this church in West Texas, and uh, there was a catastrophe that happened. We didn't know this 15-year-old girl that was in our church, uh, one of our, our elders, it was his daughter, she just she just fell down in, in the middle of a uh, football game. Uh, she was the mascot. We had no idea that she had a tumor in her brain, and it was a, they called it a medulloblastoma. It was this horrible, I remember when I saw the images of it, when they did the CAT scan and stuff of her brain, it, 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 it just, it wasn't like a, a, a circle, it looked like somebody had, had taken a circle and just smashed it, and it it, there's just like pieces of it just going all over, and it, it would have been so hard to, uh, to actually take this thing out, eventually they did, but I remember her, her dad called me, and he said, can you come into her room and bring your guitar? And just praise. He was saying, can you bring some Zamar praise in here and create an atmosphere? And I want her at all times hearing the praises of our king. I want at all times hearing the praises of our Lord. Just in, in, because at this time in her life, she was unconscious. I mean, she was, we couldn't talk to her. We weren't getting any feedback from her. She was having to go through this, this uh, long, it was like a 10-hour surgery and all this stuff. But I went in there and I released that Zamar praise just like David did. You can go and read about David. He was called by King Saul when he was being tormented mentally. He would, he would call for David and David would bring his heart and he would sing and play, and all of a sudden when he did that, there was deliverance for the king. It was the only time that he could find peace. It was the only time that he could find this, this place where, where he was just not tormented anymore, and there was deliverance through David by this anointed psalmist and songwriter. He would play, and he would worship. And guys, I have seen this. I know it is true. There's something powerful in Zamar praise when it's delivered, when God's people come to the house of God and they begin to praise him with anointed music and singing. When we release the Zamar praise, people are delivered. I believe that with my whole heart. When God's people get together and they start to play instruments through the worship of the Zamar praise, there is power being released in the atmosphere. Have you ever, ever experienced that before? 
Amen? I, I believe that you have. Maybe you experienced it today. Maybe it was last week. But we've experienced that. Listen, in the book of Psalms 144, verse 1, you can read this. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who tra- trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing Zamar. I'm going to release this Zamar praise to you, O oh God. And in Psalms 149, you can read this. Let them halal, so that's that clamorously foolish, that loud praise, his name with the dance. Although you see it as praise right here, the very next sentence says, and let them sing praises. It's Those two words in our English are both praise when you see them. But if you study it, one of them is halal. The next one is let them sing praises zamar to him with the timbrel and the harp. Come on, somebody. This is biblical. Listen to me. It's biblical to play instruments in worship. And here at the Exchange Church, come on, we do zamar praise. Amen? You know, I can think over the years... Over the years as a pastor, um, how many times, and you probably, if you, how many of you kind of been in church for a while? Okay, I mean, you, you kind of either grew up in it or around it. You've probably said this. I can't think of how many times I've heard people say, man, I came into service and my back was killing me. Or I came into service and I just had this unbelievable headache. Or I came into service, but by the end of worship, it was gone. Have you ever heard that? Do you think that's coincidence? I think not. That's that Zamar praise being released. I mean, the things that happen, the power. I mean, it's the same exact power still moving and working in our midst when we release that praise. Amen? Amen. So powerful. Listen, the last Hebrew word that we're going to talk about today, and then I'm going to tag in a superstar. Uh, we have a third member of our tag team today. Yes, sir. But uh, this next this next um, word for praise is probably one of my favorites, and uh, this is Shabbat. Everybody say Shabbat. Shabbat. Shabbat praise. Listen, we got some Shabbakers in here. Uh, a few years ago, I used to uh, warn people when they would come and speak because our church was so quiet. You know, I remember when we first started, I would say something and nobody would respond. Everybody just stare at you. And I was like, so I, I would have a guest speaker come in. And I was like, hey, listen, they love you. They're going to love you. They're just not going to show it. <laughs> so it's going to be real quiet. When you say something, Tisha and Fowler is probably going to be the only one to go. Come on, man. And that's it. And they were like, okay, okay. But listen, things have changed. And the Shabbat has started to be released. I mean, Kenyatta is a Shabbaker. Okay. Cola is a Shabbaker. Uh, Tracy, when she's usually, she's a Shabbat. Tishan is a Shabbat. Pastor Kevin is a Shabbat. I mean, they like to shout. They like to get loud. They like to, to, to shout to the Lord. And that's what Shabbat means. It means to shout to the Lord with a voice of what? Triumph. 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 To address with a loud tone. It's not to just shout for the sake of shouting. It's shouting because you have a reason to shout. Okay, I mean, we could get loud, and, and there are churches that just get loud. And we had a guy in, in my church in Wichita Falls, and I had my pastor pull me in the office one day, and he said, Pastor Jared, I'm going to need you to address him. I had to address, uh, I hate to even say this, uh, 
a fraud shabaker. <laughs> I'm just going to say it that way. Because what would happen is pastor would be preaching, and he'd say, come on, amen. Everybody would say, yeah, amen, whatever. Once it got quiet, and everybody was quiet, you'd hear the same guy all the time go, praise God. And then everybody start laughing. He would start laughing. <laughs> he would start laughing. So everybody would be shouting and stuff, and then it would get quiet. And as soon as it got quiet, you'd hear, praise God. And it's a young man. He's just trying to be funny and and so he was a, a fraud shabaker. Listen, listen. <laughs> that kind of, I, what I'm saying is, is we there's a place in the church to shout, but we don't just shout because we just want to be loud or we want to be heard. There's purpose behind our shout. Yeah. Psalms 63, verse 3, it says this. Because your loving kindness is better than life. Ooh. Wow, that's a powerful statement right there. It is better than life. My lips shall shabak you. It shall shabak you. I will pray. I will shout with a voice of triumph because you, your loving kindness, it's better than life. There are times to be still. Pastor Kevin brought attention to this. There are times to bow. There are times. But there are times when you just don't know what else to do but shabak. To just shout because there's something going on and you're thinking about where you were as opposed to where you are. And when you think about that, people might not understand your Shabbat, but you do. And and it's just got to come out. Shabbat is to shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Listen, triumph is an amazing word in New Testament. Some people have mistakenly taken uh, triumph to be synonymous with victory. However, listen, that's not the case, and I want to explain this to you. Victory is won on the battlefield, or in the case of us as believers, victory is, was won on the cross. Okay, That's where the victory came. Triumph is the parade that occurs after the victory, okay? So Jesus won the victory on the cross, and because of that, we now triumph over the devil, over the enemy, and every believer may triumph in the face of whatever your adversity is by praising God and shouting for the victory of the Lord. Amen? It says this in... Colossians chapter 2, it says, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. In other words, he pinned it so it doesn't keep tagging and chasing us around. Okay, so he pinned it to the cross, having disarmed. Man, if we as believers ever actually believe that this Come was on. true, Come on. do you know how much freedom we would walk in and on a daily basis? He says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle yes. of them. Hello. He mocked them. He mocked them, try over, triumphing over them. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in what? Triumph Triumph in Christ. You see, through the blood of Jesus, 
Jesus disarmed the principalities. He disarmed the enemy. He disarmed the devil that would try to come against you. Not only did he, he pinned him to the cross. He pinned it. He made a public spectacle out of him. With the parade of all parades, he made a public spectacle out of him. And Jesus carried his own blood into the holy of holies in heaven. So think about it. Every time you hear somebody shout with a voice of victory, they are again making a public spectacle out of the enemy. They are reminding him of the lack of power he has over me. Okay, there is a place to shout. He says in Psalms, clap your hands, all ye people. Shabbat to God with the voice of triumph. Listen, I'm passionate about Shabbat. I believe in Shabbat praise. There are times, I said this last week with Halal, but there are times when I'm on the drums and I'm watching people worship and I'm seeing, and something comes inside of me and I just got to go, whoa! Yeah! I just don't know what else to say. (laughs) It just came out. Shabbat. It was because I know the victory that has been won, and now I'm living in the triumphal parade of that. That's Shabbat praise. Listen, there's a principle I want to show you in in Psalms chapter 89, verse 9. This is really awesome. It says this. You rule over... You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. Okay, you still them. Now, what's really cool about this verse is that word still, when it says you still them, the word in Hebrew is actually Shabbat. So he says, You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you Shabbat them. You Shabbat them. Think about that. How does he calm the raging seas? He shouts in triumphal victory over the raging of the seas. Listen, there's times when doubt comes in my mind and, and the, the seas are just, just tossing and going back and forth. And you begin to question yourself. You be, be, begin to question things. And that doubt begins to seep in and the raging seas rise up. What Jesus would say to me and would say to you, what he would have you to do in that situation is to steal the seas. Yes. And the way you steal the seas is you shabbat. You shout in a voice of triumph over the raging of the seas. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not just talking about raise a hallelujah. I'm talking about a hallelujah. Man, triumph. I want to give you an example of someone that I think could help you understand um, why one might shabak over another I'm going to ask Miss Kenyatta, would you tag in? Come on up here. Come on, give her a hand this morning. Some of y'all started getting nervous. Y'all thought I was just going to randomly tag somebody in. Okay, I have a a little short story. Uh, Y'all got to excuse me. I just had dental work done. So, But starting young, at a young age, I was a young married woman. Thought I was was in love. I loved my husband and... um, he was everything to me, but then things took a turn to where he started being abusive and 
leading to abuse had made me feel that, you know, I couldn't praise God the way I wanted to, but he took me, he slit my throat, he raped me, he slipped my wrist, he raped me again, he cut all my fingers up and everything, but then I sat there and I was laying in a puddle of blood, and the only thing I could do is shout and tell the Lord, Lord, save me, help me, help me, help me. Lord, I need you. I need you to send somebody to me. And through that, that's why I get up and I do what I do. That led me to drinking. I became a very bad alcoholic. Every day I had to drink, drink, drink. But now through that Shabbat and praising him and hollering out, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you right now. That's when I know that the praise that I do is not because of just because it's because I've been through something and today I know that I can say God I glorify you Lord I worship you thank you Lord Jesus Father God I bow before you Lord God I worship you before who you are Lord that's why I praise the way that I pray now she went easy on you this morning because her story is a lot deeper than that it's a lot deeper than that. The things that she's been through. I mean, when I began to hear it, my chin was on the ground. I mean, he slit her throat. The blood was just covered. And he left her to die. Left her to die. And so she made this comment. So when I shout in church, I know people be looking at me funny. I'm trying to quote her the best I can. She says this, but they don't know what I've been through. Man, is that not one of the most powerful things? So when you hear Kenyatta shout with a voice of triumph, there's something behind the shout. There's something powerful behind the shout. She's been on the battlefield. She was left for dead. And God came in and God restored and God healed and God brought victory in her life. And now she's a part of the triumphal parade that's just declaring the goodness of God. That's Shabbat break. Come on, somebody stand up with me.